You're listening to Diffuse Tap with Kenny Estes and Isla Krem. Today's episode features Remy Astier and Ulrich Mousset, the co-founders of Valbon. They streamlined the formation and administration process for offshore entities, including both VC funds and SPVs. They're going to drop some knowledge about the trade-offs new managers face when they're choosing a structure. Hope you enjoy. Hello, good people. Nice to see everybody this morning. Most of you have been here before, but for there's a couple new faces. So the way we do it is to start, we're going to pop you into small breakout rooms to network a little bit. And then the main event is going to start about 10 minutes past the hour. So you'll receive a notification and just a smidgen asking you to go away. And then you will return just a little bit down the road. But nice to see you all this morning. All right, everybody, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed your breakout room session. Um, Some of you haven't been here a little bit. It can be confusing the first time around. So thanks for your patience. But just so you know what to expect today. So first, we're going to do briefly talk about Diffuse Tap and Diffuse, what we're about and what this event is. And then we're going to hear from our two expert speakers in Ulrich and Remy. And then we're going to do two more rounds of breakout rooms similar to what you just did. And the reason for that is this is Diffuse Tap. It's very heavy on networking. Groups of about four we find works very well. Um, The audience is pretty much all emerging managers or people who play in the alternative fund space in some way, shape, or form across four or five different continents. So this gives you a chance to do some good networking. 15 minutes of it is insights with our speakers. We do a fireside chat format. And then just so you know, we do have a sister event to this called Deallocators, very similar format, but it's an invite only event for LPs in alternative funds versus this one, which is more geared towards GPs. Diffuse, what do we do? The main thing is fund in a box. So we incubate and operate new funds. So we find managers with a differentiated investment thesis or asset allocators looking for exposure to a particular strategy. And we put together the fund vehicle for them. That's everything from back of the envelope to full liquidation. We run a lot of the operational and financial day-to-day of the funds. So if you know anybody who's looking to spin up a fund and doesn't know where to start, we're your folks. Um, One of those is Aaron Capital, who is, it's a public sector litigation finance fund based here in the U.S. So if that's an area you're interested in, let us know. And another one, which is launching in one to two weeks, we're very excited, is Diffuse Digital 30, which is the world's first institutional grade digital asset index fund. So think of it as Vanguard for digital assets, which doesn't exist. So we'll be the first out there. With that out of the way, let's get to the main event. And um, really bad introductions, so I'm going to let them introduce themselves. But we're uh, joined by Ulrich Mousset and Remy Astier. Um, do you guys want to unmute and maybe talk a little bit about your background and what you do over at Vabon? Hey, yeah, so I'm Remy. Um, so I'm the co-founder of uh, Vabon with my, my friend uh, Ulrich. Um, yeah, we met in university. Um, so just a few words about what we do. It's, a, it's, a, it's actually pretty simple. So just because I, I don't know how much everyone in your audience knows and these things can have different meanings, but our business is about investment vehicle. And when an investment vehicle is essentially, it's like a special type of company that does only two things is that it pull capital from investors and then he, you know, buy something or invest in something or buy or invest in a portfolio of things in the case of a fund. But it's as simple as that. It's really a big deal, right? Like most things of value in the world are in one of these, like these building here or that Apple logo here, like it's really a fundamental block of sort of capitalism. 
And what we're doing here at Vauban is really engineering the investment vehicle of the future. We call it the wealth container. So uh, today it's very, very broken process with like work seals and paper certificates. Like it's very, very archaic. And I swear, I'm not even exaggerating. And you, you know, we're really trying to uh, digitize that through end-to-end containers, which means that people don't have to think anymore about, you know, banking, legal documents, accounting, regulatory filings, etc. And they can just focus on, you know, fundraising and de- deploying capital. Hi, everyone. Uh, so, yeah, I'm Eric, co-founder of Vauban. So before starting Vauban, I worked for an insurance company and a wealth management uh, firm. Uh, yeah, it's really ex- exciting, you know, to uh, to be here. Uh, you know, I can really feel that the venture space is heating up right now. Like we receive so many, you know, messages and inquiries through our website of emerging fund managers that want to, you know, they don't know if they should set up a SPV or they should go down the VC fund route. So it would be a great opportunity for us, you know, to share um, our, our experience and to discuss your, your question. And I hope it will clarify your thoughts. Thank you for having us, Kenny. Absolutely. Thanks, guys, for coming. And I'm joined as well with uh, my partner in crime, Isla Krem. For the main, the meat of the session for the next 15 minutes or so, we'll do a fireside chat. So, Isla, do you want to kick it off with the first question? Yeah. Maybe we'll start with something kind of basic but massively important. Uh, what is the difference between an SPV and a fund? Just so that we make sure we're all on the same page in terms of terminology. Um, It's pretty simple, actually. So a fund, it's a legal entity which sole purpose is to uh, raise money from investors to invest in a portfolio of things. So in the case of venture capital, it's going to be a portfolio of startups. So, you know, you raise money from LPs and you buy um, stakes in like 10 to 20 startups generally. Uh, An SPV, it's exactly the same thing, but instead it's going to invest in a single deal. So a single asset, a single startup. So instead of saying, hey, I'm going to raise money to invest in, you know, DeFi, you say, hey, I'm going to raise money to invest in that specific company. So, yeah, that's really the the difference, essentially. The uh, SPV is the same thing, but for one. And it's important to be careful because SPV has a different meaning for pretty much everyone in finance, just because, you know, it means special purpose vehicle, but obviously everything depends on the purpose. Great. And to, on that note, right. Henry Nang has already done it. So we'll pick up his question. And that is, how do you automate and digitize the structuring and launch of various investment vehicles? So really the brass tacks of what Vauban does, what you take out of the hands of the GPs and make their life easier doing. Uh, maybe Elric, will we'll go with you because Jeremy picked up the last one. Well, the thing is that our vision is really to automate the you know infrastructure layer of, a, of an investment vehicle. And for us, in terms of infrastructure, when we think about infrastructure of an investment vehicle, it's mainly three things that you need to, uh, uh, to, to get it to structure your vehicle. And it's the legal document, right? Like it's crucial because legal documents are here to determine, you know, what you are supposed to do in which situation. So that's the first piece. The second brick is the accounting. You know, you need to handle the accounting of a, of a vehicle. And the third thing is the banking because, you know, you need to be able to collect uh, money from investors and you need to be able to make a wire transfer as well to the target company. So at Vauban, we automate the, the legal documents. So you just fill in like a 
questionnaire form essentially and we will generate all the documents that you that you need and we automate the accounting as well so that when you know you have an investor that is subscribing we generate the like the, the accounting transaction essentially and we open a bank account uh, for the spv or, or the fund that's how we we automate uh, investment vehicles and so what does it leave what does that leave the gp to do <laughs> the fund yeah, <laughs> i mean the the vision of Uber is really that the you know, the, the deal makers or the fund managers, they don't want to be bored with like the, you know, the legal, the accounting, the back office, the regulations, the anti-money laundering, etc. Like it's very boring, right? Like the, the, the general partners, they love to do fundraising and to invest in, in great startups. That's the two things that they care about. And our goal as Vauban is that they focus, you know, 100% of their time on that. And one question then is, at what point should a fund manager choose an SPV over a fund? So a lot of conversations we're having is with general partners who want to launch a fund for the first time, they often have a few individual investments under their belt already. At what point does it make sense to just keep going on a single vehicle path? And at what point does it really make sense to spin up a proper fund? Yeah, no, it's, it's very uh, different from a commitment perspective. Like I, I love this analogy, but essentially a fund is like a, a marriage, right? Like the investors are going to lock their money up for the next 10 years. So they need to make sure they can trust you as a general partner. You know, so you will go through a lot of uh, meetings with, with investors. They need to conduct due diligence uh, on, on you and on your firm. So it's very heavy uh, from, a, from an operational and a, and a fundraising perspective. In general, it takes between 12 to 18 months to raise a fund. Uh, SPVs or the deal by deal model, it's way more flexible. It's like a casual dating, uh, where, you know, you have a, you have a deal. The deal are, are pretty time sensitive. So you will talk to your potential investors. You will say, okay, I have a deal. I want to invest in SpaceX. Here's the pitch deck, you know, the competitions, the industry, et cetera. Uh, the deal is closing next month. Are you in or out? Like, do you want to invest or to pass? So the, the velocity is really higher in um, on, on, on the on the SPV side. And it really depends on your personal situation, in fact. Like, for example, if you have uh, a deal that is closing soon, or like for, for yesterday, like most of our uh, customers, uh, obviously, you know, you, you need to do an SPV because it will take uh, too long to, uh, to launch a fund. Um, the second situation is if you, if you have no track record, basically, you know, like, uh, to raise a fund, you need to demonstrate, you know, that you are great at, um, you know, investing other people's money. So you need to demonstrate that you have done successful angel investment or that you have worked for, for a VC firm before. And if you don't have this track record, it can be pretty hard to, to launch a fund. So in general, what we see is that SPV is like the, the stepping stone to launching a, a, a proper fund. And the third situation is that it depends as well on your like personal situation. If you want to keep, you know, keep a job uh, or if you want to, 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 to have a, a full-time job in addition to do uh, investment in, in startup, it's very difficult to manage a VC fund as well as to have another job. Uh, you know, it's very time-consuming to, um, to, to manage a fund. Whereas on NSPV, you can, you can do it on the side. So, you know, if for a quarter, you are super busy with your main job and you don't want to do any, uh, you know, startup investment, it's fine, right? Like you can go on and off. But with a VC fund, you have this pressure of deploying, you know, the capital. Like it's, it's, your, it's your main job, basically. And, um, and last thing is that it really depends on your investor base. Uh, some investors, they really prefer to be engaged and they really love to evaluate, you know, uh, investment opportunity. Uh, other investors, you know, they just want to write a check and, you know, forget about their, their money for the next uh, 10 years. So it depends on your, on your investors as well. That's great. 
um, makes a lot of sense. And now that we're talking about investors, I'll pick up two questions from the chat is where do you operate? What type of entities do you form up? What jurisdictions are you in, in the US? Remy, maybe you want to pick this up because uh, Ulrich got the last one. So the short answer is right now we, we don't operate in the US. So we have a focus on I would say on Europe and on anything non-US. So um, we offer the typical uh, international jurisdictions like the UK or, you know, Cayman, etc. So that means that most of our customers, they would be either in Europe, in the UK, or, you know, we have a lot of people in like the Middle East, like in Singapore, Hong Kong, South Korea, etc. However, because we don't offer Delaware structure, we don't have the US typical SPV structure, essentially. So we still have some US investors through some of our structure because it's possible. But let's say it's if you have 100% US everything, it's easier to do the, the structure in the US. But yeah, but we intend, you know, to, to get that, uh, you know, that's on the roadmap. So yeah, it, sh- it should be uh, live. Awesome. Um, I guess one of the other questions was when it comes to regulatory filings and reporting, what portions of that um, are you able to automate and, and simplify for the GP for the lifetime of the SPV? Yeah, so in, in terms of regulatory reporting, it really depends, you know, on the, on the jurisdiction. Like in the US, it's completely different than in, than in Europe. And even in Europe, it depends on, on, on the country. But I mean, it's, it's our vision as well. Like we would take care, you know, of the, of, of the regulatory reports. Uh, but it's, it's really, yeah, it's really country specific, essentially. But for, for an SPV, like I won't go into details because it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty boring. But you have a, yeah, you have a lot of stuff to do. You know, you need to do the, the tax reporting of the SPV. You need uh, to, to file like different like reports with the, the register of company, etc. So we take care of, uh, yeah, we take care of all that. Gotcha. And then uh, back to you, Remy, a question from Gabriella, which is for the funds that you've seen make that transition from SPV, SPV, and I know you guys have only been around for a few years now, great traction in a few years, by the way. Um, but for the ones that we have that are on that journey from SPV to fund, when do you see them start that transition? When are they successful? When are they not? What are some of the milestones that somebody on that track would be looking for? So doing all of these SPVs, it definitely, you know, impacts your ability to raise funds, you know, proper like LP funds in the future. It's easy to brand a succession of SPVs as your track record, right? If you say, hey, everyone that invested through uh, my syndicate in my SPVs, if you were, would have invested, you know, X percent of each of them, then that, that would have been your, your IRR. And that matters a lot, essentially, because I think with, SP, with SPVs, because you typically get a carried interest on every single deal, rather than in an investment fund where it's averaged out on the total performance. And, you know, it's easy to to be attracted and to become more of a broker where, you know, you just broker bigger allocation, generating late stage deal to, to smaller investors. Um, and that's fine. I think it's, you know, it's a very good and lucrative business. But if your goal is really to start a venture fund at some point, you should stay consistent and thesis led. And you should, you know, you should really think about branding from day one, having, um, you know, if you call yourself like, you know, like Cherry Capital, you know, you should have an entity called Cherry Capital that collect the carry and any, you know, deal pushed by Cherry Capital should be linked to your thesis. So if it's consumer early stage, you know, you should only push consumer early stage deals. And then you're going to have that consistencies and the LPs in your SPVs will become the anchor LPs in your, um, in your actual, you know, venture fund. 
So yeah, I think the short answer to the question is generally too early. Like it, it's, it generally should take like, you know, quite a few years, maybe three to four years to get a good track record, to get, you know, quite a few uh, significant markups on the, the portfolio companies in the SPVs before you can really leverage, you know, that good track record, that brand. Also, maybe you're going to be in a stage where your investors uh, in the SPVs, you, you're not going to put a gun on their head, but you can be like, you know, that's that deal flow I brought you like it, it that's going to be for the lps in my fund right um so yeah i would say maybe like it depends on how many deals you do but maybe like three three to five years or something one of the questions that i that we discussed in our prep call was around mistakes or things to think about when structuring spv i think we touched on a couple of things there warehouse stipulations provider rights and clauses allocation management but also exit events ipos and and liquidity events um, what are some of the main things that every GP should be aware of when they kind of set out to get an SPV set up? What are some of the key clauses in the agreements they should have in place when they, get, when they kick off? The first one, I think the first mistake would be to try to do everything by, by yourself, you know, as a GP and to uh, project manage with lawyers, accountant and, and banking, because you will just, you know, babysit the SPV and the deal and you will lose a, a lot of time. So I really recommend to use one, you know, one of the SPV platform like Vauban, Asher or, or Angelis. I mean, if you can use Vauban, that would be great. But yeah, essentially to use, a, to use an SPV platform so that, you know, you don't have to handle all the back office stuff and you don't have to think about as well all the, the legal, all the legals because, you know, SPV platforms, they have done like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of these deals so they know. Um, what to include in the in the legal agreements? Because in terms of, uh, of of legal docs, you know, you can think, oh, I can find you know a, a VC template like a VC private placement memorandum uh, online, and then I can adapt it to an SPV use case. But the problem is that you will have a lot of uh, yeah useless uh, clauses that uh, you know they don't apply at all to, uh, to to an SPV. So for example, you can have uh, I don't know some clawback provision which doesn't make sense you know in an SPV because you have just one simple carry. You can have some cap capital calls, which same, like it, it doesn't make sense because in, a, in an SPV, you just do, you just call everything up front. And if you send that to your investors, you know, you will look super bad and your investors are your most uh, precious resource, right? So you don't want, like you want really to look good and to have like robust uh, legal docs and a robust back office as well. Um, second thing is to manage your allocation. When you raise an SPV, essentially, it will be pretty difficult to know investor interest, right? Like you will push a deal to your investor base and maybe you will raise between, you know, 500k to 1 million. But then on the other side, you will have to negotiate with a, with a startup, you know, the, the final investment amount. So plus, you know, sometimes there is some Forex, like let's say, you know, you are doing a deal in Europe in, uh, in Pond and you are raising from a broad, you know, investor base like USD, Euro and GBP. Uh, that's some, you know, practical thing you will have to, to, to think about before structuring the SPV. That's great. Really appreciate it, guys. We find 15 minutes, people start to kind of go a little bit cross-eyed. So we're going to break through their first breakout room here. A um, couple of quick housekeeping items. It's not a pitch session. Please don't treat it as such. It's a chance to network. Um, also, no a-holing. That should be pretty obvious. Um, we don't send out a list of everybody who is here. So if you find somebody you want to connect with, um, swap details then and there is probably the best way. We also, it's actually no longer WhatsApp as of last week. We also have a Telegram group. 
that we will drop into the chat to give you a chance to connect. Um, and then after the breakout room, we're going to have another chance to ask um, Oral and Remy a couple more questions. So don't be shy about chucking them in the chat. Um, Ayla, do you want to talk about the actual breakout room format and um, send people away? So the way that the breakout rooms work is that we'll put four of you into each individual room and um, it'll be about 10 minutes or so long. We'll pull you back automatically. Just introduce yourselves at the beginning. Some of you might have already met each other, which is great. I'll give you a topic in just a moment and then we'll see you back here in about 10 minutes. So the topic here is um, share your SPV horror stories, success stories, etc. Uh, a little mm -hmm. bit of an opportunity to share some some more experiences from the front of the SPV. I'm popping into rooms right now and see you in a moment. All right, everyone, welcome back. I hope you met some new folks and had interesting conversations. Um, oh, I got a thumbs up from Will, so thank you. We got at least one, so that's nice. Um, and maybe, Remy, for you, we're going to give you a softball question from Henry. How do you do your pricing? What does that look like? Is it transparent? Is it streamlined? It's a technical question because we're really in the middle of changing all of that. So it's literally one of my quarter main, uh, uh, you know, OKR to completely revamp the pricing. So right now, the way it works is that it's a flat fee that includes everything, which means I think it's $11,000. It includes an end-to-end -end investment vehicle, right? You don't have to think about anything else. So anything that's banking, accounting, returns, K1, etc. That that's in there. And the reason why it, it's all charged upfront rather than a, a, a annual subscription is because in venture deals, typically these companies do not pay any income to the SPV. Um, I mean, we've never seen it. So so you know, it would create a customer. Uh, a cash problem, right? If they have to continue paying the, the, this monthly and annual fees uh, way after the uh, the cash has been deployed and there's no more investment money to pay for it. And so, yeah, because UX is, is, is you know, one of our core mission, we decided to go with that full upfront fee. Um, we don't think we're going to change that now, but we're more thinking about granularity, which means that right now, if you do, um, you know, we have customers making deals that are like $100,000 and they pay the same fee as other that do like $25 million deal, which obviously is a, <laughs> is a little bit unfair and it's, it's sub-optimized. So yeah, we're working on a new formula that's more, um, that's a little bit more granular. Um, but it's not going to be a straight percentage of beeps or anything like that. It's going to mm -hmm. be kind of something in between. Makes sense. Well, one more question from Charles. Maybe Ulrich, if you want to take this one, just for variety. Fees, what do you see for VC or angel investment type SPVs? Do they charge the full two and 20? Is it usually lower than what a full fund would be? Kind of what is your experience this market? And as a reminder, you're probably muted. Yeah, they definitely charge 20% for the carry, like maybe 80 to, to 90%. Uh, in terms of management fee, it's pretty, pretty rare that they would charge any management fee. Uh, so typically it would be like five or 10% that we charge like 2%. In general, it's more a subscription fee because as Remit said, you know, from an operational perspective, it's hard to charge 2% annually on a SPV because there is no uh, money left on the bank account of the SPV once the you know wire transfer has been made to the to the company. So in general, if they want to charge a management fee, it would be more like a subscription fee upfront, two percent, three percent, more than a annual management fee. And but it's it's pretty uncommon. Great, thank you. Uh, just because I think oh, this, is, this is not clear uh, for everyone. 
is that the setup fee, it's typically, I mean, it depends. We have maybe 5% of the customers that swallow it themselves because it's in their model, etc. But 95% of the case, it typically comes out of the SPV itself, which means that our fee, you're not liable for it unless you close your deal. So you're not taking any risk essentially. And the way it works is like, if your deal is like uh, $300,000 and our fee is $11,000, the system is going to make you raise $311,000 dollars 11 is going to go to us and 300 to the underlying portfolio company so each investor pays their pro rata to their investment amount share of the it's called the formation expenses or whatever the setup fee gotcha that makes that makes a lot of sense i like the trend the transparency there um, we're going to do one more round of breakout rooms and then we'll pick up after that we're going to pick up one more question from the chat there ayla do you want to uh air we're traffic to go. Yeah. yeah so this is an opportunity to kind of share your your toolbox which partners, service providers, individuals do you work with to make your, your GP life easier? Um, obviously, something like Boba is one option. Do you use, you know, who else are you using in your, in your life, whether it be accountants or advisors or et cetera? Time to kind of open up the kimono and, and share who you're working with that makes your life a little bit easier right now as a GP so you can manage more projects and more work. I will pop you into rooms now. We'll see you back here in about 10 minutes. Welcome back, everyone. Hopefully you met some good folks. Uh, we're going to pick a question. So, uh, and this is from Landon. It's probably more of an international question than U.S., but if they're charging management fees, and this is a knock on from the previous one, to the SPV, does that, does that create any regulatory? And maybe Remy, you can take it because you're unmuted. Does that create any regulatory issues for the SPV managers? Or what does that look like in your experience? Generally, the, you would use, in the US, you would use someone's IRA. Uh, so there would be a manager to the SPV. You, you can either be your own or like the SPV platforms, they generally have one that you rent out. But you don't, um, I don't know, uh, I'm trying to think of a metaphor, but you don't. You rent it out without really knowing it, but essentially you would be given the regulatory infrastructure to be able to charge a um, like a carried interest. Is that a similar setup um, in in Europe where you where a lot of your entities are, where it's kind of like the parent regulatory body, and then you're just kind of one of the sub entities underneath it? It depends what you want to do. So unlike in the US, in most places in Europe, the fact that you're charging a fee or a carried interest doesn't necessarily make you a investment manager and it's more driven in Europe um, and especially in the UK by are you making the decisions for everyone so obviously for an SPV you know it's uh, there's more room to do like of a friendly syndicate right where everyone makes the decisions together because anyway you wouldn't invest in that SPV if you don't want to invest in the company behind for uh, funds the typical setup yeah, it's very similar to what it is in the US where you would essentially sublease a, a, an investment manager from someone else. Gotcha, makes sense. My wife decided to start standing, so apologies for the background noise. Uh, we're going to do a quick wrap-up. Uh, at the top of the hour, we do try to be punctual here. Uh, as a reminder, we have a, it's not WhatsApp, it's Telegram. Um, <laughs> we have a link and it will be in the follow-up email you receive as well. Please come join us. Uh, we need to update this slide. Fund in a box, that's what we do. So we try to be a one-stop shop for um, all resources for folks that are looking to start their um, fund management experience, um, but don't, haven't actually done it. Uh, next week, Food Tech Frenzy. We're gonna have a great speaker on talking about all things food tech. So if that's of interest, do not be shy about showing up. Uh, Remy Ulrich, really, really, really appreciate your time here today and everybody 
um, and the audience for coming and hopefully you've got something useful out of it. Cool. No, awesome, Kenny. That was great. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks so much. Good Thank you, everyone. Have a good Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. You've been listening to Diffuse Tap with Isla Krem and Kenny Estes. If you enjoyed these conversations, join us for the live version every Wednesday-ish at 10 a.m. Central. In addition to the fireside chat, the live event features three rounds of networking in small groups with alternative fund GPs, LPs, and supporters from around the world. Log on to www.diffusefunds.com to register yourself now.